You're listening to Fitz and Harry, the podcast. It's Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, and Sirius XM, Channel 80. Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz, presented by Progressive Insurance. Obviously, all thoughts continue to be squarely on the health of DeMar Hamlin, Bill's safety. The latest we have from Jordan Rooney, DeMar Hamlin's marketing rep and DeMar's family, uh, have been told doctors overnight got promising readings that they have been hoping to see by this morning. Jordan couldn't go into specifics, but progress appears to be made. On top of that, we've now heard from the NFL uh, as the NFL just held a conference call talking about what was going to happen and how it was going to happen. So uh, we'll get you this portion of the statement here where Jeff Miller, NFL executive, says conversations regarding the status of the Bills-Bengals game are ongoing and they're likely to have an announcement in the coming days regarding when and whether that game will be played. The Bills also announced in the last half hour that DeMar remains in the ICU in critical conditions with signs of improvement noted yesterday and overnight. He is expected to remain under intensive care as his health team continues to monitor and treat him. That is the latest that we know on the status of DeMar Hamlin. And it's just a reminder, Harry, that uh, there are so many layers to this that continue to develop. And to get some thoughts on this, uh, we're now joined by ESPN football analyst Marcus Spears. Uh, Swagu, always appreciate you. We just said this a few minutes ago. Be sure to check out the Perkins Swagu podcast, one of our favorites. You can watch Marcus Spears, of course, on NFL Live. Uh, in your mind, Marcus, what should the NFL do about resuming this game? Oh, man. it's. I mean, this game, more than anything, and I've heard a lot of conversation about it, it's the symbolism of the game, right? I think it should be a decision made with, with heavy thought between Sean McDermott and his team and Zach Taylor and his team, his football team. Um, collectively, it looked like these guys made a decision, obviously, with the league to not play it. Um, so I think it's only right. You know, you figure out particulars and calendar and all of that. But I think you had a conversation with, with both of these teams, um, and it would be nice for change to let the players uh, be a big part of that conversation. That's where my mind goes to. Uh, obviously, it was a schedule slated. It was a game that was supposed to be played. And, and we know that it's very difficult for the league to cancel games, um, even though we came out of pandemic where they moved stuff around. But obviously, that was a once-in-a-lifetime situation. So I would just say the rescheduling or the, the replaying of the game, if they do so, I think it should be a conversation between both of these clubs. Now, Swagoo, I got to welcome you to Fitz and Harry and glad you had the time today to, to, you know, for us to join our new show as we're in day two. Man, congratulations. Appreciate it, my brother. Appreciate it, my brother. It's a big deal, bro. But look, you you said yesterday, man, that you were glad that your son chose basketball over football. Um, How much did you think of that decision when you saw what happened to DeMar Hamlin? I mean, obviously it came up then, but also, like, just knowing – Free, Eric. We played this game, man. Like we, you know, we kind of it kind of becomes taboo to have an open, honest conversation about it. And obviously, when you work at a network where football is prominent, and how much time and money and um, energy and talk we invest in it, it's uh, you know everybody wants to choose words carefully. But both of you have known me long enough to know that I don't give a damn <laughs> about that. I was relieved, bro, when uh when my son told me because I know what the game is. And I'm not – that's not to negate 
you know, all of the things that the game has done for me. I'm I'm here. I'm at ESPN because of the game. I was able to take care of my family and change, you know, a lot of our history as a family through the NFL. I played the game because I wanted to make it to the league and uh the money that comes along with that, the 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 things that come from that, the opportunities that you get. So it's a beautiful game, man. But we've known forever that the game ain't safe. We knew it. Players in the seventies knew it, the sixties knew it. When you are when you got grown men running full speed and hitting each other and when you know this type of impact is happening over and over again, you understand what can happen, what the ramifications are. And as we've evolved in this game, we understand a lot more now medically. So I think a lot of it, man, really boils down to I knew what my son would have to go through if he chose this path. Now, in that, if he chose this path, I would be supportive. I would be scared as hell, but I would be supportive um, if he was adamant about it. But it was going to take a lot, man. Before my son was born, my wife was like, he's not playing football. Um and that was the result of me coming home with meniscus tears and needing to sleep in hyperbaric chambers and having to get up early in the morning to go get treatment and sometimes getting out of the bed at 25, 26 years old and needing 10, 15 minutes for your body to warm up so you could actually start moving. Um, she witnessed all of that. So it's a completely different perspective from her. Um, but when he told me he wanted to hoop, I can't think of many hoopers that have been through all that I've been through. I know they get injured. I know sport is sport. I, we've seen some some things happen in, in, in basketball that are gruesome. We've seen them, but we know, like you know the cliche, you know you're going to get injured during the football season. It's just about how bad. Yeah, that's the thing that stands out to me, and I think we're at a point now where we have so much knowledge, more so than we didn't have, you know, back in the day to the point that where we can kind of – you know, guide our kids in a different direction, still let them make that choice, but, you right. know, give them the ins and outs and talk to them and show them different things that can transpire if they do go that route, but still be supportive. Well, it's, 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 it's legitimately parenting. Yep. <laughs> like, our yep. job is to give our kids all of the information and hopefully they make a decision based on how they feel about that information. Um I'm not one of my wife nor I are one of those parents be like, nah, you gonna do this unless it's foundational and it's what it's a key to life, right? Like yep. that's how we are with our kids. Um, I still got a lot of old school values. What you're not gonna do is what you're not gonna do. And it's not up for discussion. But things like that, bro, it's it's uh when it comes to sport, um, sport is a very emotional thing where you gotta be invested in what you're doing. And as a parent, all I can do is tell you what the positives, the negatives, and the things that could potentially happen. And just fortunately for my son, he had a father that played on the highest level. So it was, you know, I know every level of this thing. And um, the information I gave him, he decided he wanted to hoop. But being 6'3 at 13 helps that too. (laughs) (laughs) We buried the lead on that one. Maybe 6'3 at 13 is is a difference, man. Uh, We're talking to Marcus Spears, by the way, uh, on Fitz and Harry, Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz. I'm going to ask both of you guys this. This isn't something we necessarily plan to talk about, but I'm sitting here with two former players. You both know me well enough to know I, I, I listen when former players talk about this stuff. Walk me through the mindset, Swagoo, of the rest of, like, because fans are going to yell about if this game isn't played, you know, what it means for the Bengals, what it means for, for seeding in the AFC. Right. Give me the players' mindset. Like, you, you fought through the whole season, and now this game may not be played, but also you're worried about one of your brothers. Like, how do you compartmentalize all that for your individual goals when you got a player that does the same thing you do that's going through what Hamlin's going through? 
Yeah, I, I don't think you compartmentalize at this point. Um, I think you know what it is. I think your emotions, you have to deal with those individually and with whatever help that you receive. But usually, um, and I may be, I mean, I, I think this is what my experience has been, and I can't wait to hear what Harris says. Usually these type of things galvanize you um, once you get past the initial shock. Now, this is something that we've never seen. Those guys have never seen. We saw the reactions that they had, but usually, um, especially with the good, what we consider good news, right, coming out, um, obviously your focus doesn't shift away from DeMar Hamlet. I think it shifts to what would he want you to do? Mm -hmm. Um, How would you represent him by making whatever decision you make? Um, I'm sure, and and I'm going to go ahead and claim it in the name of Jesus, that he, he will be healed, but I'm sure he'll love a Super Bowl trophy um, and a Super Bowl ring when this is all said and done. And by the way, he made significant contribution um, to what Buffalo has done and up until this point. So I think that's how you kind of wrap your mind around it, at least in my experience. I had We experienced tragedy when I was in Dallas, and you know, after the initial shock, we rallied around each other and we went and played a game. And we were able to win a game, and it was super emotional. But we felt good about that because we represented the people that were involved in that tragedy. And I, I think that energy shift happens with athletes naturally because we play for the guy next to us. It's preached 100%. to us mm. when we're young, um, especially in football, the ultimate team game in my opinion. Yeah, and that, that's my mindset too. You can honor him by going out there and handling your business and finishing the task at hand. And I'm pretty sure, like you mentioned, yep. uh, Hamlin would love a Super Bowl trophy right now. You know what I mean? And, I, and right. I'm going to speak it into existence as well that he's going to be okay, right? But you, uh, you do understand that you signed up for a job at the beginning of the year, and Hamlin was mm-hmm. a big part of that. Now, don't let them down. Go out there and finish the task at hand. It, it just hits me yep. as I talk to both of you guys, and I'm not saying this to preach to anybody about what they should do, but in a world where there's a lot of people that are like me sitting in front of a microphone screaming about what the NFL should do, maybe we should be listening more to people that played the game and people that play the game right now about what they want to do to figure out how this should yep. be handled because it's their mental health, it's y'all's mental health, that really is the one that's that's out there on the line. Uh, Swagoo, we love you, buddy. Thanks so much for joining us uh, early on in the run of this show. We know we're going to talk to you often. Or we're going to make you come on with yeah. us all the time. But we appreciate <laughs> you, brother. Thanks so much for the insight. Man, congratulations. Y'all know y'all two of my favorite dudes. And uh, I know y'all going to kill this radio scene. And when I come on, we're going to have a good damn time. Y'all know Let's that. Let's get never, it. Never a doubt. Love you, brother. All Thanks right. so much to Marcus Spears right. coming right. on Love with y'all, us. man. Peace. Uh, hey, HD, my first ever day at ESPN. I walked into the green room at ESPNU doing this show with Mike Golick Jr. and Elika Sadegi that nobody was watching. Swagoo was sitting in the big chair in the corner, and he said, hey. He looked at me and said, hey, I want you to know something. This is my chair. This is always my chair. This will always be my chair. And uh, it, it was one of the, the funniest moments. Uh, I've loved that guy ever since. Glad that we could get to both your insights on that the latest on the Bengals and Bills and why Harry says it might not be the easiest thing but the right thing could be to play that game we'll tell you about it next Fitz and Harry Harry Douglas Jason Fitz on ESPN radio Fitz and Harry the podcast On a conference call this afternoon, NFL executive Jeff Miller says conversations regarding the status of the Bills Bengals game are ongoing They're likely to have an announcement in the coming days regarding when and whether that game will be played. 
question is, should it? It's Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80, and your smart speakers. Just ask him to play ESPN Radio. He's Harry Douglas. I'm Jason Fitz. Remember, this is what Adam Schefter said this morning regarding the league and whether or not this game even gets played. It's also possible that the league will just ultimately decide we're just going to continue to go right on here and not play that game. And the way it shakes out is the way it shakes out. And if the Bengals win the AFC North because they didn't play on Monday night or the Bills can't get home field advantage because they didn't have that extra game, so be it. You have 16 games to prove your worth and your value, and you got done what you got done during that time period. Harry, I mean, it's stunning to think of it. And Shefty says it so clearly there. Like, is what it is. We're not playing the game. I, I totally would respect that, but I also respect the fact that that could impact the way some players feel because they want the opportunity to go out not and, and impact their own destiny here. Yeah, and I don't think it's that simple as well. And then we had an opportunity to talk to a guy named Paul today who happens to be a Bills fan, and I was able to ask him, you know, how vital was it for the Buffalo Bills in his eyes, being a fan of that team, to get the number one seed, and he thought it was very significant. Now, the flip side of it is it, it is, is that – Marcus Spears brought up a great point. I do believe this game should be played because there's so many ramifications um, and implications when it comes to the number one seed. Now, the flip side of that, I do believe the players from both the Buffalo Bills and the Cincinnati Bengals should be involved in those discussions in that decision. I do believe that. But I do believe the game should be played at some time because when you look at three teams right now, you look at the Kansas City Chiefs, you look at the Buffalo Bills and the Cincinnati Bengals. All three of those uh, those teams at this moment could get the number one seed. And in, in order for the Chiefs to get the seed, they have to win plus a Bills loss or two Bills losses and a uh, plus a Bengals loss. For the Bills to be able to clinch, they need two wins, a win at, uh, at Cincinnati uh, plus a Chiefs loss uh, or a win versus the Patriots plus a Chiefs and Bengals loss in Week 18. For the Cincinnati Bengals to get the number one seed, they need two wins plus a Chiefs loss. So this game has so many implications when it comes to the number one seed. And you look at Buffalo and when Josh Allen has been the starting quarterback, within the playoffs at home, they're undefeated. On the road, they're 0-3. That's, that's big. When you talk about Buffalo getting number one seed, when you look at Kansas City, who's hosted the AFC Championship game the last four years since since Patrick Mahomes has been the starting quarterback, that's huge. You look at Cincinnati um, and Joe Burrow and how they had to go on the road uh, every game. Well, hold on, every game except one last year, right? Because they played the Raiders at home, right, Fitz? Yes, yeah, they played they, the they Raiders played at, home, at home, but they had to go to they had to go to Tennessee, in which Joe Burrow was sacked. Uh, nine times, and they still found a way to win. They had to go to Kansas City, but they found a way to beat the uh, Kansas City Chiefs. And then they was at the Super Bowl in which they lost to the Los Angeles Rams. I'm pretty sure at this moment in year two of their playoff runs, I think they will love home field advantage and having that number one seed. Well, there's all kind of there's all kind of things that, that that are on the line right now, and I think the game at some point has to be played. It, it also just gets a new development and even more complicated. Elena Getzenberg reporting, uh, this is out on Twitter uh, as of two minutes ago. NFL Executive Vice President Troy Vincent said they will let the Bills and Coach Sean McDermott guide them in terms of a potential decision about delaying Bills Patriots. Said that it hasn't been discussed again. Focus on everyone's well-being. 
reminded well, of where great. we started this show, Harry. Like today's Wednesday, which is implementation day, right? Like you yep. come into the facility, you're getting your your game plan, you're getting prepped for this weekend. Well, the, the Bills have absolutely no interest in prepping a game for Sunday, and rightfully so. They have bigger things to worry about right now. But the Bills and Patriots. Uh, you know, you're talking about a game that has massive implications to the playoffs, not just for the Bills and the attempt to try and get the number one seed if that game's made up, blah, blah, blah. But also, you know, if you're the Patriots, you're you're looking at this. Both teams have pushed their media availability at this point. They were supposed to be available today. Both teams pushed their media availability to tomorrow. That tells me, like, to that point, not only are we talking about what do we do with the game a couple of days ago, there is still a very real possibility the games this weekend are impacted Again, Hamlin's health, the most important part, but this is a layer of complication for the league to work out. Well, and that adds another layer to it because right now the New England Patriots have the seventh seed. Um, and you look at teams who still fighting, you know, to get into the playoffs. You look at the Pittsburgh Steelers, you look at the Miami Dolphins. How are they going how are they going to re- react to this if New England doesn't play their last game, right? And they end up getting into the playoffs because, you know, they may have uh, less games on their schedule or the Miami Dolphins get into the playoffs or the Pittsburgh Steelers get into the playoffs because they played more games. Like how, how does that even work? There's so many things on the table when it comes to playoff implications in the AFC. I, I don't know how it's all going to get broke down, but uh, I'm, I'm guessing they're going to figure out some kind of way. Yeah. I mean, looking here on the NFL playoff machine, which you can access if you go to ESPN.com, we have it up there for you. If I just project the bills Patriots matchup is if I project it as a win for the Bills. Well, then if the Dolphins beat the Jets, they would be in the playoffs in that scenario. If the Jets beat the Dolphins, the Steelers could get in the playoffs depending on the outcome of their game. So like it shows you how many teams are suddenly impacted depending on what happens in that Bills Patriots game. So the most important thing for everybody involved is mental health. But you also have to look at uh, across the board. You have you don't have a choice if you're the NFL, but to look at the fact that you simply have to get certain games played. Like it, it, there is no choice. They can't just call the season where we are and have some teams play certain games and some teams not. Well, it doesn't work like that. Yeah. But but I do love the fact that you know the most important thing in their eyes right now is the Buffalo Bills and their mental health. I think that's very important, and we gotta, you know, be mindful of that of that as well. It's just it just impacts so many other teams who, at the beginning of the year, your job is to get into the dance. I mean, you know my saying: if you get into the dance, you have a chance. I don't care who you are, because I've I've I've, I've had that number one seed going thirteen and three with the Atlanta Falcons, and you know the Green Bay Packers and Aaron Rodgers squeezing to the playoffs because of their last regular season game and going on Super Bowl run. So. It, it, so you're Anybody telling me if I get into the into dance, the dance if I get into a dance and you're there, you're telling me you got a, a shot of slow dance with Harry Douglas? We, we slow you, dance? You could, you could, yeah, you, you, got a, you got a chance to slow dance. It won't be with Harry Douglas, uh, okay. but you got a chance to slow dance. It's fine. Uh, we'll, the hell am I slow dancing with two, four, <laughs> Just to make the whole room uncomfortable. Uh, oh, look at that. Getting a little. Oh, yeah. Getting a little funky. Getting a little funky. All right. Uh, we will keep you updated on the latest uh, developments as we get more news. Uh, in the meantime, someone this weekend, one of the biggest coaches in all of college football, not named Jim Harbaugh, might actually be headed to the NFL. We'll talk about it. But first, Harry's got to talk to you about Vivid Seats. Well, the football playoffs are right around the corner, and nothing beats seeing your favorite team live. Not only does Vivid Seats have great NFL ticket prices, they're also the official ticket, ticketing partner of, the, of ESPN. And with Vivid Seats Rewards, when you buy 10 tickets, you get the 11th one free. Download the app or visit vividseats.com today. 
Vivid Seats Life Happens Live. Receive a reward credit equal to the average price of the 10 tickets purchased, excluding taxes, fees, and processing costs. See vividseats.com slash rewards for terms and conditions. Fitz and Harry, the podcast. Every year, the rumor mill runs rampant about huge college football coaches that are going to head to the NFL. And most of the time, it becomes an absolute waste of time. Now, we have a new name on that list headed into the national championship that's going to make all eyes focus on Georgia. It's Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM channel, lady, and your smart speakers. Just tell them to play ESPN Radio. Uh, Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz, and... Uh, I can't believe I'm saying this. I, well, I didn't say it. I can't believe Paul Feinbaum said this on uh, Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max about one Kirby Smart and his future with Georgia. I think there's some NFL in the near future. At some point, you, you know, it, he, he's got to look at it. Uh, you know, everybody at this level is making the 11 or $12 million. That's no longer the motivating factor. He wanted to prove that he was something more than Nick Saban's top assistant. He. He will do that uh, with, a, with another – he's already done that, but he'll do it again. And, and as, as much of a grinder as he is, and, and you know, he, he is one of those guys that, that, that never looks up, I could see somebody in the NFL, the right situation, coming to him. Harry, I have always said on the road that I wanted to party someday with Willie Nelson, if you know what I mean. I now want to party with uh, Feinbaum because that, that's the only explanation I can have. Here. Uh, Georgia, there is no way in my mind Kirby Smart is leaving Georgia for an NFL gig. This is unbelievable. And when you look at a guy like Kirby Smart who, you know, made the college football playoffs three times, went to a national championship game, actually should have beaten the Miami, I mean, excuse me, the Alabama Crimson Tide before Tua came in in overtime and threw that football in the cover two coverage in which they played and hit Devontae Smith for a touchdown, right? Granted, forget all of that nonsense I just mentioned. Kirby Smart last year was able to, you know, lost to Georgia in the SEC, lost to Alabama in the SEC championship game before defeating them in the championship game and then uh, end up winning the national championship. Then you look at this year, he graduated a lot, a lot of guys to the National Football League, and a lot of people say it was going to be hard for them to make it back here, but they are in that spot once again. And I was able to do the um, high school early signing day show with ESPN. It was on ESPN to the day that day. And I looked at all the guys that the Georgia Bulldogs were signing. And one of the things about Kirby that I found very uh, uh, amusing is that he loves to bring in guys on that defensive line and guys in the secondary. And we got to remember, Kirby Smart played in the secondary with Champ Bailey. And he had a, a glimpse of what he wanted from the cornerback position because he played with Champ Bailey. He also understands what it means to have a defensive presence on that defensive line. And the guys that he's going to be bringing in next year, they don't rebuild. They reload. Now, if they can win back-to-back national championships, that's going to be phenomenal. We got to remember that Kirby Smart is making over $10 million right now with the Georgia Bulldogs. One thing I do know that is very difficult to do as a college coach to go to the National Football League and coach grown men that are, make, that are making more money than he is. If you don't think that's a factor, just ask Nick Saban when he was with the Dolphins. You cannot talk to those young men the way you may be able to talk to guys in college. You can't, you know, put your stamp on what they do outside of the facility when, they're, when they are at the facility in the National Football League. Ask Coach Petrino that with the Atlanta Falcons. Also, the last person I'm going to throw on that list is Chip Kelly. 
though three guys that had to go to the National Football League. And granted, Coach Petrino is different because he was with the Jacksonville Jaguars with Tom Coughlin and Coach Mark Brunel and um, and Keenan McCardell and Jimmy Smith and those guys. So he had already had a little bit of success as an offensive coordinator in the National Football League. But when he was a head man, it didn't work out that way. It's extremely hard to sit there and say you're going to try to control guys in the National Football League because they're not going to let you. I, I, and you see Deshaun Jackson come out and speak uh, out against Chip Kelly. You see guys come out and speak out against Nick Saban when he was with the Miami Dolphins. It doesn't work like that. It's not that easy. I also don't see why a coach wants to. Like, there's this concept, and it, it, I grew up with this. There was this concept of, like, you're successful in college until you can get to the NFL, and then you're in the big time. I don't think great college football coaches see it that anymore. Like, college football has become its own sport, run its own way, done its own way in its own bubble. And I'm not sure that most of these great college football coaches believe the NFL is any bigger time than being at Georgia, for example. And you mentioned Kirby Smart. This is the part that I think people don't really realize. Every time you have a winning season at all in college football, you get an extension for even more guaranteed money. So it's not even just that you make $10 million a year if you're Kirby Smart. Kirby Smart has a 10-year, $125 million contract right now. That, that money is fully guaranteed. If he decided he wanted to be an NFL co- uh, coach, he'd be walking into a situation where, A, he would take an annual pay cut, B, the contracts usually top out at five or six years. So his guaranteed money would be cut in half. So if you're already at the big time at Georgia where you're gonna, you have a chance right now to win back-to-back national championships, you are recruiting at a level that means that for the next five or six years you can go out and whoop Alabama's butt if you want to. You believe that if you're Kirby Smart. You believe you're building a dynasty. I don't think you're looking at it and saying, well, now I really have to prove it in the NFL to cement my legacy. Your legacy is in college football, the sport that you think is every bit as good, if not better, than the NFL. Well, see, that's the thing that's important to me. You just mentioned the word prove. When you get to the National Football League, no one cre- – from a coaching perspective and players that get drafted, no one cares what you did in college. It's about what can you do now? How can you prove that you can be trusted at that level? And that's another hurdle that Kirby Smart is going to have to, you know, jump over if he decides that he wants to go to the National Football League, in which I don't think he ever will do. Because you look at, you look at what he's been able to do at the University of Georgia. Why would, why would you leave that? Now, why, why, why would you leave it? We live in a world right now where Lane Kiffin is making more money per year than most NFL quarterbacks, and he has more guaranteed than almost all of the NFL quarterbacks. And can't even make an SEC championship game. He can lose three games a year. Like, <laughs> Think about Kirby, that. If Kirby Smart wins a second championship back-to-back, he's going to get another contract extension of some sort with even more guaranteed money. He's going to warrant wanting to be the top-paid or the second-highest-paid guy in all of college football. He's going to get it. I mean, when you start talking about the Lincoln Rileys, the Dabo, Sweeney's uh, at this point like I think the mindset of 20 years ago that that person wants to go to the NFL is gone like a lot of these big the the biggest of the big the best I'm not talking about the Cliff Kingsbury that didn't uh, have that level of success anyway coming over I'm not oh I forgot I forgot about him I didn't even put him on the list I'm (laughs) not even talking about Matt Rule coming from Baylor I'm talking about when you are winning put him on the list when you two other people that you just mentioned when you are winning natties and when you are playing for the type of money that the top 10 coaches in college football play for why would you take a pay cut to be a coach of a team like even 
the Cowboys, right? Like the guaranteed money would have to top. It would have to top what you make enough to make you want to move. And I don't think that that's real. In my mind, this is all about power and it's all about money. You can't get more power than a head coach in the SEC has. And you can't get more money than an SEC coach has unless you want to turn around and pay your guy more than Sean McVay. It's just, I, I feel like we've become absolutely clouded on what the NFL is compared to what college football is. Fitz and Harry is presented by Progressive Insurance. Drivers who switch and save with Progressive save nearly 700 bucks on average. Call or click today. Find out if they could save you hundreds on your car insurance. Back to the NFL. One NFL franchise's offseason is about to take a level of turbulence that could cause a massive revolt from the entire fan base and suddenly turn the perception of the season into an abject failure. We'll tell you about it next. All because the coach spoke. It's Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Fitz and Harry, the podcast. Sometimes the best thing about the end of the regular season for so many teams are the feels that you get moving into next season. And even when that season started off gangbusters and you thought you had a chance, you thought maybe you were going to be a playoff team, even when that season ends going off the rails, you can still find hope until you realize that next year might be more of the same. And that's what Jets fans might be dealing with right now. It's Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, channeling in your smart smart speakers. Uh, Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz, we're presented by Progressive Insurance. And AC, like my heart breaks right now for Jets fans because their roster looks to be so much more talented than a lot of people thought, myself included. And it looks like the young guys are playing so well. And you keep thinking about what it looks like, but you think all they need is a quarterback. And for a season that started off so strong, even right now to sit at 7-9 and and just say, well, we're only one quarterback away, that could be your logic until you heard what Robert Sala, New York Jets head coach, said earlier about the future of Zach Wilson. Uh, Zach has got all the talent in the world, and we have all the confidence in the world in him. It's just, like I said from this reset, we're going to grind with him. We are. And... uh, and through hell or high water, we're going to figure out how to how to get him to where we know he can be. Through hell or high water, Jets fans right now are throwing up in their mouth. <laughs> through hell and high water, don't or lose your studio. job in that process, my man. I mean, that, but that's real, right, AC? Like you, you, what you just said, if you're Robert Sala, like is this the hill you, you want to die on the Zach Wilson hill? Like I, that seems like that's a weird one to really go out fighting for. Well, the reason why it's so mind-boggling, you look at this defense of the New York Jets this year, right? And currently, right now at the moment, they're ranked third in the National Football League, seventh in sacks. But then you, you look at the last seven games of the New York Jets, they're one and six. And I think they just squandered an opportunity to get into the playoffs in 2022. Now, did, every, did anyone expect that in 2022 for the Jets? No. But if you have the position that you can, you're in the position where you can make the playoffs, you want to make it. Forget if, if, if you're ahead of schedule or not. You're right there, and, that, and everything was at your fingertips, and you just squandered everything away. Now, when I look at Zach Wilson, a guy who only completed 54.5% of his passes, only threw for 1,600 yards, six touchdowns, and seven interceptions, no, I don't think that's a heel that I want to go out on. But we got to remember, they did draft him with the second uh, pick overall in the NFL draft, so – You kind of got to work them in some kind of way. Here's the problem with the offense, I think, for the New York Jets. And Brees Hall went down, a guy who was having a phenomenal rookie season for them. Now, when he comes back, 
this offense has to be run-centric. Everything has to go through the run game because when you sit there and you ask Zach Wilson to throw the football 35, 40 times or you ask Mike White to throw the football 35, 40 times, that's not going to get it done. That's not how they're built. They're built off playing great defense as a team, being stout on special teams, and also the run game being effective in a lot of your pass game coming off the run game. Because we got to remember, this is the Kyle Shanahan, uh, Shanahan offense. Mike LaFleur is the little brother of Matt LaFleur. They all run that Shanahan tree type offense. So the run game has to be valuable for them to, to do anything offensively. But when you look at the weapons that they do have and the weapons that they put the, put around the young quarterbacks and and Brees Hall and Garrett Wilson and Corey Davis and Elijah Moore and C.J. Uzama and Tyler Conk, uh, Conklin has come around. It should be more a better quarterback play than what we've seen this season. The problem that the Jets face, to be honest, is that this isn't an easily solvable problem. Right now, according to Tankathon, they would have the 13th pick in the draft. That could change a little bit, but they, they have the 13th pick as we sit right now. Uh, by 13 – you're probably, best case scenario, you're getting the fifth best quarterback in this year's draft, like depending on what mock you believe. So, like, I don't know that there's a really easy answer there. And I'll go back to something I think that people forget sometimes. Like, the Raiders went into this offseason needing offensive line help. And certainly they knew that, fans knew that, everybody knew that. If you read people around the team that, that report on it, part of the reason they didn't address offensive line was not because they didn't want to, but because they didn't love the talent available for the price that that talent wants. You have to have a little constraint. The Jets will have to fall in love with and be willing to outbid other teams for Derek Carr or Jimmy G uh, or, you know, should he hit a Geno Smith if he hits the open market? Like, uh, these are all quarterbacks that could require epic investments, like massive investments. So it is possible that one of the things that Robert Sala is preparing for is the fact that there's not a better option on the open market. They don't want to spend the money that it will take to bring in somebody like a Jimmy G they don't believe actually helps them win a lot of football games. So they're trying to build up their guy, knowing that they could be stuck running it back. Like, you may not want to be super honest about what you think you have at quarterback right now, knowing that you may not have a better option next year. Well, also, you, you're, you're also going to be banking on that your offensive line is going to be better, too. we got to remember Vera Tucker went on injured reserve. Yeah, yep. Makai Becton went on injured reserve. Those are two guys that they were counting on this season – uh, within that offensive line to be better, but I don't know, man. It's, it's it's a tricky it's a tricky thing because the quarterback position is so valuable to what every team wants to do in the National Football League. And you look at the playoffs right now; the quarterback position is the cornerstone. The quarter everything goes through the quarterback. The quarterback touches the football every single play offensively. But you need a guy back there who's gonna you know not put put the ball in harm's way, who's not going to be the guy that costs you football games, and this year that just wasn't it for the Jets. But think about this. He's Harry Douglas. I'm Jason Fitz. It's Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio. Think about this, HD. You won't know what this feels like because you were born an athlete, right? Uh, you remember playing dodgeball in elementary school? You remember dodgeball, right? Okay. Remember playing dodgeball in middle school, right? Like, you remember that, yeah. right? I was a fat kid that played dodgeball. Now, at some point, believe okay, it, Bird. this is going to be shocking to most people. <laughs> uh, but the fat kid that played the violin was not usually a high pick in dodgeball, right? So I was like the last kid picked most of the time to play dodgeball. It was like me or one of the other wildly uncoordinated at the time, like Dungeons and Dragons players. So like the Harry Douglases of the world have picked their team. And then they walk up and they're like, yeah, who's left? And you look over on the side wall at the gym and you got me. 
And HD's like, <sighs> how dare you put me in that position? I would not have done it, especially if you was my friend. No, no, if no. you was my friend, you was going to be on my team and you was going to win. Yeah, well, you see how that rhyme? if you, you was my friend, you was going to be on my team and you was going to win. But you know that there were certain kids, you're like, oh, I got to take that kid, right? Like, that's now, I probably would have. Like, nah, I probably would have said something. Come on, boy. Bring your big cell phone over here so we can <laughs> win now. And like, I, I would have said something like that, but you know it was you would have knew known it was all love. I would have waddled on over there, my fat ass, like getting ready to play some <laughs> some dodgeball. But like, here's the thing, HD. Like, that's what I feel like the quarterback market's going to be this year. There's a lot of teams that are walking in thinking they're going to have the best possible group to play dodgeball ever, and then they look over at the wall and they're like. Uh, oh, okay. I'll take you. Like, I think that's where the the Jets might be looking around, me like, I don't love Zach Wilson, but I'm not sure that I'm going to even get a stab at Derek Carr. I'm not sure I'm even going to get a shot at Jimmy G. And then I'll be sitting around being like, oh, Carson, what? Like, there are that many options. But you got to go. You got to go. You got to go all out and try. Yeah, because you've seen right. where this football team is. You see where this defense is. You know you have Brees Hall coming back. You know you have pieces on the offensive line coming back, and you have the skill position players. So. If you're in the front office, you have to go all out because you just barely missed the playoffs this year because of your quarterback play. So you have to go all out. The real question is going to be, will Robert Sala continue to get any grace during that process? That is going to be one of the wildest stories to keep an eye on this offseason. They're not the only disappointment this year. Teams that started hot, that have fallen apart, and makes you, it makes it difficult to judge what their season looks like. We're going to get into a couple of more teams that are part of this conversation tomorrow. Listening to the Fitz and Harry podcast. You can listen to the guys live weekdays from noon to 3 Eastern on ESPN Radio. And you can watch on the ESPN app.